I get to preach today, hallelujah. And uh, I, I love to preach. Uh, I was, I don't know if I, I, I might have said this before, but I was, we're, um, Sister Megan, she's a, um, she's his wife. She is um, Mrs. Cleanup around here. And uh, so she found in one of the rooms boxes and boxes of my old sermons. She said, Pastor, what are you going to do with these? I said, don't touch those. Yeah, but what are you going to do with them? I said, don't touch them. They're sacred. No, I, I don't know. But, um, and so I've got these boxes and boxes of sermons. I don't know if I should auction them off or, or what. A, a professor in, in, uh, or instructor in college years ago said to us, if a sermon is worth preaching once, it's worth preaching twice. And uh, so, I don't know, maybe I've got enough now for another 40-some-odd years if I start over. But uh, anyway, uh, things are getting kind of cleaned up around here, and it's awesome. And, and we're, we appreciate everybody's efforts and all that they're doing. But this morning, I want to share with you a message I have not preached before, um, just in case. Um, it probably needs a little bit refining, um, but uh, here goes. And I want us to look at a scripture verse that normally is probably used when you're doing marriage or premarital counseling and uh, uh, dealing with relationships, etc. at home. But I believe there's something even deeper going on in this passage of scripture, not just in the natural, but also in the supernatural regarding the church. So follow with me as we read in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, New International Version, if you've got your Bible or your smartphone or whatever uh, you've got there. And here's what Scripture says. Wives, submit to your husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. His body, of which he's the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Father, we thank you for your word, and this morning I pray that as we uh, share some thoughts on the bride of Christ, that God, you will help us to understand in a greater measure, and help us to see with eyes, Lord, that are in tune with your spirit and what you are endeavoring to show each one of us and together as a whole. I ask for your help, Holy Spirit, to share adequately and to speak only that which you would have me to speak. And Lord, that we might understand how much you care and love for your church. Bless your word to our hearts, we pray, in each one of us as we assimilate it and live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. So in taking a few minutes today, I, I'm... I would encourage you on the back of your bulletin, if you've got one, there's a place there to take some notes. And 
And why don't you take some notes? Maybe there's some things that you're going to agree with, or maybe there's even going to be some things you're going to disagree with. And you want to remember them because you want to ask Pastor Roger for the explanation. And uh, whatever. So you, you just want to maybe take some notes that you will, won't forget. And uh, you should be like some of our congregation. I won't mention her name in particular, but I understand she has a stack of sermon notes at home. And uh, so uh, it's, it's a good thing to take some notes, especially if there's something worth taking notes for. So hopefully there will. I'm one of these kind of guys who, I grew up in church. Uh, I don't know how many, how many here you grew up in church? I mean, it's, oh, there's a, there's a number of us. Awesome, awesome. Well, I grew up in church. I mean, I was in church as a family. We seemed like we were in church whenever the doors were opened. My dad was on the church board more years than I could probably count. And uh, he was involved in in uh, making pews and making the pulpit and uh, fixing things. And uh, when I grew up, there was the church building, and right attached to it was where the pastor lived. And so my father was there often fixing things and doing things. So there was times I went with him. There was times I would rather have gone fishing. But uh, anyway, we were in church. Anytime the doors seemed to be open, we were there. I don't know what your tradition was, but the custom was for when I grew up, we would start with Sunday school. So you get early and you go to Sunday school. Remember those days with the flannel graph? There was no computers. There was no, I mean, yeah, we had the overhead projectors. Anybody remember what the overhead projector is? You know, the acetate sheets. And, well, we had flannel graph. We didn't have an overhead projector even in Sunday school. But flannel graph and pictures and we learned Bible stories. And, and then from there, from Sunday school, you went to big church. Like that's where all the adults were. And so then you were there. And as a family... We sat on the same row. On the end of the row was my brother, my dad, myself, my mother, and my sister. My dad could reach any of us. And there was times he needed to. He needed to reach just by in front of your ear. There's a little bit of hair that grows there. Do you know you could raise a human body off the floor with that little bit of hair? And anyway, so that's how we sat, and we generally behaved because we knew if we got a little hair tug there, we got more than a hair tug at home. Because in church, it was a place you behaved, you respect, all those kind of things. That's how I was raised in church. Now, I'm not suggesting parents need to sit like that now, but that's... Now, we would go home for lunch. The odd time, we would have a treat, and my parents would take us out for lunch, but mostly we went home for lunch. And then we'd either read the Sunday school paper in the afternoon, which we don't give out anymore, or we'd have a nap. And then Sunday night, for those that were Christians, you went to church Sunday night. How many remember Sunday night church? I mean, the Holy Ghost meeting, right? That, that's when, when all the stops came out, and that's when you sang all the fast songs, and everything was just rocking as far as they could rock back then. But, and it was, you know, that kind of a meeting. And Sunday night church never ended without you exiting through the prayer room. And you went in the prayer room, even if you weren't going to pray, you went in there and knelt, and then got up and left, right? It was just kind of the, the thing you did. Many people prayed for and, and received or answered prayer, and, and that, that was just kind of the format. Now, formats have changed, and that's good. Formats need to change sometimes. But that's how I was raised. 
And um, what I've learned about being in church is that if you're not careful, you can get lost and caught up in doing church. If you're not careful, you can get lost and caught up in just doing what we think is church. And maybe you're here today and you're going, what is this whole thing with church? It seems like some people get excited about it and passionate about it here at Northwest Family Church. I mean, I was listening. There was some shouting going on and some movement happening. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw this guy, you know, doing these things. And I listened. There's some volume coming from over here. And there's some things happening. Some people are excited about this thing called church. And I think we should be excited about this thing called church. And before we're done here this morning, you're going to be excited about this thing called church. If we'll understand what it means to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ. It's important that we understand and see the big picture. You see, God came up with church. God came up with the idea. You say, what does church mean? Well, the word church comes from a Greek word found in the New Testament. It's the word ekklesia. Ekklesia speaks about a gathering or an assembly of believers. Meaning church is not a place. It's a people. Church isn't really about where. It's about who. You and I are called to be the church. Amen? We're the church. Now, I know we meet in a building we call church, a church building, but it's just a building where we as people are the church. You say, well, what's the purpose of the church? Well, the purpose of the church, capital C, has always been threefold. And the first thing is ministry unto God. Ministry unto God. That when we gather, we're to minister unto our God, we're to praise and to bless the name of Jesus, and that's why we open up the services at Northwest Family Church with praise and worship. We've come first to worship and minister unto God. He's worthy of our praise, amen? He's worthy of our song. It doesn't matter what your voice sounds like. It could sound like a broken down organ, if we remember what those sounded like. It could sound like you know, melodic, I mean, just awesome. Or you could be on Britain's Got Talent or whatever. I mean, it could be anything. But it's an amazing thing that we come to minister to our God. And so we, we begin that way. And that's not a concert. Not a concert for you and for me, but rather it's a concert for God. So it's not about me.com, Hallelujah. It's about my heart, my voice, my actions, ministering to God. And whatever that may look like for you, I encourage you to participate and minister unto God because he's worthy. And that's what we do. Minister unto God. How many of you know that when we praise our God, when we bless our God, it changes things? Changes our thinking, changes our perspective. Invites God into the midst of our life. And he changes things. The psalmist said in Psalm 34 verse 3. Oh magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name. Together. Together. He was on to something. 
He was talking about the idea that I want to magnify, I want to bless the name of God because as I magnify the name of Jesus, his presence grows bigger in my life. It just grows bigger. What are you magnifying today? When you came here this morning, what were you magnifying? Were you magnifying the problem or were you magnifying the answer? And the answer's name is Jesus. He's the answer. So we minister unto God. Secondly, we also minister to believers. I love this because when we come to church, I mean, what I'm doing right now is called preaching. Now, some people say they're going to share the Word of God. That's like you're having a conversation in a coffee shop. We're preaching, we're teaching, we're expounding the Word. And so, what I'm doing right now is called preaching. And preaching means to proclaim the gospel. It's it's quite different from a lot of different things that happen all across the world. But what we're doing today is on Sunday, people all over the world right now are listening to somebody preach. Somewhere they're listening to somebody preach. Unfortunately, less and less people are listening to somebody preach today in in a church building than years ago. Listen to somebody proclaim the truth of God. The Bible talks about there's power in our preaching. It says that the cross, it's foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us that are being saved, it's the power of God. So here's what I love about our God. All of us. All of us can be on a path to faith. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that all roads lead to God, okay? But every one of us may be on a specific path of life, a journey that has different elements in where we are in life, but we're on this faith journey, and we're walking and we're progressing towards towards God and a relationship with Him. But God is so big that He can speak intimately into each and every one of us on our journey. So wherever you are today in that journey, I want to say, our God is big enough to speak to you exactly where you are. Whether it's the beginning of the journey, partway through, I hesitate saying to the end because... You know, none of us want to be the, at the end of our journey, right? We all think we're going to live forever. But that's what I love about our God. All of us, all of us can be on this faith journey at different places in our journey, but God speaks to us. Now, let me just give you an example so we see a big picture of what happens here every Sunday morning. Okay, so uh, I, I need to, uh, I'm going to go out there, okay? So don't, don't, don't run away. You'll still be able to hear me, but uh, I'm just uh, I'm just going to go on a little journey, and um, I'm going to go out to the parking lot. And so when I'm out in the parking lot, and uh, I'm I'm coming in the door, so I'm coming in the door, and there's this amazing person in the foyer with a huge smile. Almost like they're glad I showed up. And they're giving me a handshake, welcoming me here, and giving me this piece of paper called a bulletin. And so then they're, you know, chatting with me, and, and I feel like they were expecting me. Now, I may or may not have been in a church building before, but so I come in, and as I come into the main hall... There's some other people in the main hall, and, 
and uh, they see me and they uh, extend an awesome handshake and a great smile. And it's almost like they were expecting me. Like, how did they know I was going to come here? And I come in and I, I sit down and this young guy here and how are you? You enjoying the service? Is the pastor here a good pastor? That's a good, that's good. <laughs> so you come in and you sit down and, and people around you are happy. Like, what's with this bunch of people? And they're smiling and, and, and somebody says, you're going to welcome somebody. So you walk around, you try not to walk around because you're not used to this. And somebody comes up to you and they shake your hand and good to have you here. So excited you're here. <laughs> and now you're thinking, I don't know. I don't think he's too excited I'm here. But you know, from the moment somebody walks in that door, or even the drive on the parking lot, do you know that that person, if they don't know Jesus Christ, within seven minutes of them coming through that first door, they will have decided if they're ever coming back again. They haven't even heard this great preacher. They haven't even heard the music. Because first time guests, they always come early. Not like others. In seven minutes, they've decided. Do you know how important it is when we're ministering to God and we're ministering to believers, ministering to people, that the path that that person takes as they come into this place, do you realize how important everybody's ministry is? Because Scripture says that if we minister to the least of these, we've ministered unto him. And I just want to encourage you because there's, there's a lot of great things happening, but I want to encourage us that it's not just the, the, the designated usher or greeter or whomever It's a part of the function of the bride of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, to ensure that people understand that the church is a living organism, is not some dead thing on a log. Now, please, I'm not not trying to scold anybody. I just want to see the bigger picture. I mean, if you need to be scolded, receive it. But um, So we come in and they sit down, and and they're sitting there, and and they, they don't know the songs we sing. The tune they can get into, you know, the musicians are jamming and having a good time up there. And, and, of course, they're all smiling. I mean, right from the guy that we put in the cage to the ones here in front strumming and doing all those things. They're all smiling and they're all enjoying themselves, but they're enjoying the presence of God. And so they're sitting there. Now they don't realize that here we start singing, people just stand. And so they don't know whether to stand or sit. So they'll stand for a while and a while and a while. And they look around to see if anybody else is sitting down so they could take the cue. And if they're tired, sit down. So just to let you know, you can stand, you can sit, you can lay on the chairs. doesn't matter what you do long as you do it to him. Okay, so just, just be cool. So they're sitting there, and they don't know the songs, and so our projectionist puts up 
a song, and uh, oh, they don't use hymn books anymore. They're up on the screen now. Oh, I don't have to hold anything. I... Now, hymn books were good. Hymn books were good because you could hold it up here, and you didn't have to look at the preacher or anybody. If your kids were misbehaving, whoop, I mean, they were good. So they don't know the songs, and so we've got, we've got a great team. Projections, and up go the song, and, and uh, the sound guy makes us sound good. And so there's, there's a ministry going on, and an important ministry. And then we have somebody generally every Sunday up there who's translating the message and the scriptures into Spanish so that our Spanish brothers and sisters can hopefully understand and follow along if the preacher doesn't talk too fast. And so from the very time somebody comes through the door to the time they sit down beside you, to the time they're entering into the songs that are on the screen and the sound guy's doing what he does, I, I, don't, I don't know how to run that board. I don't even know enough to be dangerous up there but everything is kind of working and people up here are, are ministering and you down here, you're, you're shaking hands, you're smiling, you're entering into the worship. Do you know what's going on as the bride of Christ is functioning as a group? And do you know that your greeting to somebody coming through that door is just as important as my preaching? And the reward is the same. The reward is the same. Every one of us, the reward is the same. And so as we, the church of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ, are ministering to God and ministering to believers and ministering to those who come here for the very first time or second time or third time, it is not just a ministry to God, it's not just a ministry to believers, it's also a ministry to our world. That you and I, as we gather on Sunday, we're supposed to scatter the rest of the week. And we do scatter. We're to be the church at home. That living organism at home. We're to be the church alive at work. We're to be the church at school. We're to be the church in our neighborhood. We're to be functioning as the bride of Christ. It was Jesus who said, upon this rock, this confession of Peter that that the church is something that he instituted. Upon this rock, I'll build my church, my house, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Don't you love that idea that Jesus is giving for us that we're to be such a progressive, such an aggressive church that we're literally rescuing people from the pit of hell. We're rescuing people, friends. What you do at the door when you're greeting somebody, giving them a bulletin, shaking their hand, saying good morning, you're rescuing people from hell. Don't get excited, so Pastor. When you're the church at home, you're the church in your neighborhood. We're rescuing people. I'm sure if I was to ask you this question, how many people here at Northwest Family Church, you want to be a church that's stepping out into the world, ministering to the world, and rescuing people? It's not about being a member at Northwest Family Church or this church or that church, whatever. It's about solidifying their eternal destiny of where they're going.
We're to minister to the world. Friends, we are not competing with other churches for people. We are competing with hell for the souls of people. As a church, whatever we avoid, the devil will invade. I mean, you know what it's like. Maybe you can come to church for a long time and you come into church and this one particular Sunday, I don't know, everybody was preoccupied. Nobody shook your hand. Nobody welcomed you. Nobody showed you where the coffee was. Nobody, nobody said, how you doing? And the moment you begin to think about that, the devil invades your brain. See? Nobody cares. They don't give whatever about you. What we avoid, the devil will invade. And he'll go there. So if you come some Sunday and no one said hi to you, whatever, well, <laughs> go say hi to somebody. It's really hard for them to avoid you when you go in you're in their face and say, I'm so glad to see you, even though you're not glad to see me. We have, I, sometimes, I myself, I have to remind myself and look at the bigger picture. And how, as, as a functioning organism, we need to be bold and we should be courageous and we should step out into the night with the light of Jesus. Amen? As you study God's word, what you'll find out about when it comes to the ecclesia, the church, is that there's lots of different metaphors. The Apostle Paul uses the metaphor that we're the body of Christ, like every one of us have a function, and it's true. As we serve, we become the body of Christ. And he'll talk about the idea that we're the building of Christ. You and I, we're living stones being laid on one on another to form a home for our God. Yet one of the most peculiar metaphors... That's used in the Bible that we've ever found, I find so interesting is that you and I are called the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. Have you ever wondered why we're called the bride? Why is the church called the bride? Well, Marilyn, my wife and I, will be celebrating 44 years of marriage this coming August. 44 years of marriage to the same woman. Now, yeah, she deserves a big hand. I mean... Never mind why she deserves it. She does. 44 years. And I think she's in Sunday school. I'll tell you this. She was, took her sister down to the... Um, the blueberry farm, you know, down south. She wanted to go there. And in fact, you could remember her sister in prayer. She was here last weekend. And then on uh, a couple of days ago, she suffered a minor stroke. And is in the hospital, and and they would re, they would have released her, I guess. But the CAT scans they did and stuff, they're waiting for the specialist, or whatever, to look at them before they release her. But uh, you can uh, keep her in prayer. Her name is Sandra. And anyway, so they're down there, and my wife buys this little. You know how you buy these sayings? There's a store in Cochrane. They got lots of little blocks of wooden sayings on that. And so she she got me the saying, and. Uh, she says, on that, on that saying, it says, there's lots of fish in the sea, but you chose me and I chose you. 44 years ago, and it's awesome. So when, 
At our wedding, when the minister asked, will you have this woman to be your wedded wife, to live together after God's ordinance in the holy state of matrimony, will you love her? Will you comfort her, honor her, and keep her in sickness and in health and forsaking all others? Keep you only under her as long as you both shall live. It was not difficult to answer, I will. It was just difficult to maintain a train of thought and listen to the preacher. Because you're looking at your bride. Now, my wife is my partner. She's everything to me. And we've been doing life together for a long time. Ministry together from, uh, I was pastoring for three months, and then we got married, and since then on, it's been us two, and it's been great. But I was thinking, it would be crazy, it would be absolutely ludicrous, if you were to come up to me, and you were to say, Pastor Roy, man, I really love you, guy. I, I really I really, I've got your back, but I don't like your wife. After he picked himself up off the floor, I mean, that would be ludicrous. I mean, who would say that? Who would ever approach somebody that you, I mean, how many of you know, I'd probably have a problem with that statement, as all the rest of you men that are married would. Because you can't love my, you can't love me and not like my wife. I'm sorry. How many Christians have I met that say, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church? What? Or they say, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, or church is boring, or church is full of hypocrites. I think we should just stop and reflect a little bit for a moment what we're saying and understand who we are as the church. We would never say these things if we understood who we were as the church. Because we're the bride of Christ. There's no way to say, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. How does that compute? It's so easy to say and kind of spew these things off without even thinking what we're saying. Friends, because church is you and church is me, I refuse to be boring. I refuse. Come on, we're not boring. It's who you and I are. Church is full of hypocrites. Are you just figuring that out? Yes, you're correct. Church is full of hypocrites because the church is full of people and people tend to say one thing and do another. That's why we come to church. That's why we come. We're in need of a Savior. Anybody thankful that you serve a God who's not a hypocrite, but you serve a God who came and saved you and has always lived out what he says? Aren't you thankful? Six of you are. Peter says, or Paul rather, says, why do I do the things I don't want to do? I don't do the things I want to do. What he's saying is he's saying, I'm a hypocrite, but I need a savior. Now, I don't come to church to be reminded of my weaknesses. I come to church to be reminded of God's strength. God is not a hypocrite. My God provides me grace so I can walk out my faith. And I want to try to answer in a few moments that we have left really quick. Three benefits or three reasons why I believe that you and I are called the bride of Christ. You can jot them down if you like. 
Take a picture of the screen if you like, whatever. There's a lot of benefits, a lot of reasons we could give, but I just want to look at three. And the first benefit, as Paul is writing, he says, Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. He's talking about intimacy. Everybody say intimacy. One more time. Intimacy. Intimacy. Now, I really believe that the first reason why we're called the bride of Christ is because God wants intimacy with you and with me. And out of all the things that we could be likened to, we're likened to a bride. A bride. I don't know if there's a more intimate place on the planet than the marriage bed between a husband and a wife. I don't think a more intimate place. And God is saying, that's the type of relationship I want to have with my church. Now, before you think I've weirded out, maybe you're here right now and you're going, Pastor Roy, this is not the message for me, bro. It's getting kind of weird. I'm not really into God romancing me. I'm not really into God calling me his bride. It's probably because you're a dude. And dudes don't understand the difference between something that's literal and something that's metaphor. They don't get it. So just relax if you're a dude. A metaphor is talking about something that they're trying to find to bring resemblance to your life. It's not literal. It's a metaphor. God is trying to find something on this earth to show you the level of intimacy that he wants with you. He wants a level of intimacy with you and I so that we don't say things like, I love that guy, but I can't stand his wife. Or I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church. We are talking about Christ's bride. And maybe we haven't really thought about it in that, in that way. And, and so I'm just encouraging you as we think about this this morning, that we are a part of the bride of Christ. And he wants us to experience this intimacy with him that he can't have with anybody else. You see, real intimacy is all about trust. I can look at you, church, and say, church, do you know how much we, my wife and I, do you know how much we love you? Do you know how much we pray for you? God's put something in our heart. He's expanded our heart. We love you. We pray for you. We want your business to flourish. We want your marriage to flourish. We want your home to flourish. We want your ministry to flourish. We love you. Church, we love you. But I love my wife in a whole different way. I love my wife in a different way. She loves me in a different way. What if God is saying, I want to know you in a different way. I want to know you in an inter- on an intimate level. Where you love to spend time with me. You love to gather with the rest of the bride. And you love to worship me. And you, you love to share about me with your friends and enemies. And, and you just love my presence. And you just love to talk with me. And... What kind of a relationship would you have with your bride if you never spent any time with her 
Never got in the same room with her. I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church. Now, you know, back when you were dating, and some of you were dating now, I understand you guys are dating. Is this true? Relax. Now, when you're dating, you date your projected self. Like, when we're dating and you're, you're having a con- and you, you're probably different, but when we're dating, we, we talk to somebody and we say, what's your favorite color? And they say, blue. Oh, mine's blue too. <laughs> or, my favorite thing is pizza. I love pizza too. And you hate pizza. You, you, you're projecting this kind of an image or persona, you know, you're, you know, and what's your favorite activity? I love going for walks. What? I love going for walks too. You know, there's, there's this projected image when you're dating. Once you're married, the true self shows up. Right? That's what happens in, in that kind of, a, kind of a relationship because when you're married, the actual self shows up. And what God is saying to you and to me, he's not interested in the projected you. The face, the facade. Everything's cool. Everything's good. I love Jesus. Hallelujah. All that facade stuff. He wants the real you. He says, I love the real you. I want to know the real you. I don't mean the church version of you. I'm into the real you. I want intimacy. And I believe that God calls us the bride because he wants us, he wants to know us. And he wants us to know him in an intimate way. And he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now Paul will continue. And he'll say that Christ gave himself up for her. That we might be holy and blameless and blemish free, wrinkle free. That we would be a pure bride. I think the first benefit why we're called a bride is for intimacy. But the second benefit... Is for protection. Everybody say protection. Protection, yeah. I believe that God is saying the church is protected by our Heavenly Father. Ephesians 5.22. You know, one of the most controversial parts of Scripture, because the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands. Now notice, it doesn't say women submit to men. It doesn't say, it doesn't, it doesn't say women should submit to all husbands, but rather it says women submit to your husband. Now, some women get really upset about this, but come on. Read the next part. Verse 25. So husbands, I mean, wives submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as, as Christ loved the church. Now, I don't know who got the shorter end of the deal. Women, you have to submit to your husband. But guess what? We, as your husband, have to die for you. We have to die. Willing to die. Now don't be reminding him the rest of his life. You're going to die for me. I got a lot of insurance on you. No, no. We're to die for them. Girls have to submit. Guys have to die. 
Either way, we both have a responsibility here. And the question is, ladies, can you be a lady who's worth dying for? And men, can you be a man who's worth submitting to? It's not, you do this and then I'll do this. Can we be a man who's worth submitting to? And ladies, can you be a lady who's worth dying for? See, this is how God loves you. God has so many different times he stepped into the gap. Many times that you and I didn't even know it. And it's not until we get to heaven, to the other side of eternity, that we're probably going to find out how many times God stepped in the gap and protected you and protected me. That's why when you come to church, I want to say this with all the kindness I can. I remember, and no one will say it, but a number of years ago when the worship war was happening, and it was hymns or choruses or new songs or I remember as a kid where drums weren't allowed on the stage. Okay. That was, it was, it was not a written rule. It was, I don't know what it was. but And then our church got saved and we got drums. But anyway. <laughs> but when I think of, if we can just get this bigger perspective. And I, I tried to, probably not very well, but I tried to paint this bigger perspective of somebody walking in or you coming into church and you're carrying all kinds of burdens and stuff just been going south all week and it just hasn't been a great time. But when we come into this place called the church, and we are the church, and when we come here, friends, we shouldn't have to wait for someone to pump us up. I know that we're, we have our days, our good days, bad days. I'm, I'm not trying, please, I'm not trying to be nasty on you for that. I'm, but I'm saying, somebody shouldn't have to pump us up. We shouldn't have to wait for the worship team to play your favorite song. There should be somehow a bigger perspective as we understand that we're a part of the bride of Christ. Christ loved us. He died for us. He paid the price for us. He stood in the gap for us. I don't know how many times this last week. He spared my life. He saved me over and over again from probably some kind of destruction or whatever. So when I come into the house of God, I ought to come with hands lifted up. I ought to come already with a heart that wants to worship God because you know and I know that God has shown up so many times and he stood in the gap for me. He went to the cross. He died for me. He took my sin. He's he's interceded for me. He's praying right now for me. When I come to gather with the bride, I should be able to lift my hands and say, Oh God, I don't understand. I don't understand how much you love me. I know that's not my favorite song, God, but I love you so much. I don't know how many times you spared my life this week. All the times you gave me wisdom. You helped me. You met my need and I so quickly forget. God, 
Help me to see life from an eternal perspective. Help me not to live my life from just the dot of my life and the years I have, but help me to live it in the line of eternity. I pray, oh God, help me somehow this morning to communicate to you and to me again a bigger perspective on the bride of Christ that you and I belong to. He's adorned us. He's equipped us. Friends, this isn't just good preaching, it's good theology. Because right in the smack middle of Ephesians chapter 5, Paul gives the gospel. How do I know that God will protect you? Because he already did at the cross. He protected you and I from the penalty of sin. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came and walked on the earth and died a sinner's death. He took our sin upon himself. In fact, he died your death, my death, on a cruel cross. He died the death to take the punishment for sin. He took the curse of sin. And when he died, guess what? His life, all of a sudden, it protected you and I. All of a sudden, just like that. And now today as a Christ follower, you're called spotless. Can you imagine? You're called blameless. Through Christ, you're called holy. Wow. And I come in here worrying about so many petty things. In my life or in my community or in my whatever. I think, wow, Jesus. You call me blameless. You call me righteous. Not because of anything that I have done, but because of what Jesus has done. I belong to a spotless, blemish, free bride. It's called grace. And he's protected you and I. So I know he protects us every day. We don't even know the times he's done it. So when the bride gets together, we're a portion of the bride, because we're not the only part of the bride. It should not be difficult for us to come. And enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts of praise. I know we have problems. I know we have issues. I know we have financial needs. I know our bodies need healing. I know all that. But friends, this body is only going to be in that space of time. All eternity has the rest. I'm not trying to be little life on earth. I like living. I like enjoying life. But friends, there's coming a day when I'm really going to enjoy living. And it won't be here. It won't be long. Any day now. We'll be going home. But until then, let's function as a living organism, bride of Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, that sounds absolutely like unfair and wrong. Why would God, who's perfect, Why would he protect me? Well, that's the scandal of the gospel. That God stepped into humanity and died for you and I. I don't, now I know you don't, you don't judge people. But sometimes I do. Have you ever been, you're just kind of hanging out. 
Maybe you're at the mall. You and your wife are there. Kids are there, whatever. And you're walking through the mall. And, and I'll pick on the guys first. You're walking down the mall. And you see this couple coming towards you. And like, she's really good looking. And he's, well, average. And you think, how did he end up with her? Now, don't look at me so smug. You judge the same way. Or vice versa. He's a hunk. And she's uh, a bad whatever. How did he, how did she get him? You know what? We may judge people that way. We may, you know, have our own evaluation, whatever. But in reality as the church, I mean... We might say that person is really out of the other person's league or whatever. But how many of you know that when the world looks on the church, they see us with all of our problems, all of our issues, all of our weaknesses. But as they look at you and look at me, I hope they see a Savior and they think, how did they get him? We didn't deserve it. But I'm so glad Jesus chose me. Aren't you glad he chose you? Because he chose you, the Bible says, from the very foundation of the world. Before you did all your stuff. Yesterday, Craig celebrated 14 years of sobriety. Now that deserves a hand. Amen? 14 big ones, man. That is awesome. I'm so glad that at the very beginning of his life, before he was born, God didn't look at Craig and say, well, he's he's, he's got some years, he's really going to blow it. I'm going to wait. No, he knew him before he was ever formed in his mama's womb. He knew him. And he called him. God knew you. And he still knows you. And he still Admitting to the fact that you are his bride. Proudly saying, in fact, if God, Jesus calls you, Pastor Rogers, part of the bride, I better, if I have an issue, I better change my view of who you are. And everybody else in here, If people in here professing Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they're part of the bride of Christ. Jesus died for that person. So, suck it up. Like, please. I I have to ask the Lord for help. There's some people I'm trying hard to love. I remember pastoring a different church and there was these two board members would visit me every Monday because they knew I people thought I took Monday off and I worked Monday and they'd visit me at my office almost every Monday they would tell me how lousy the sermon was what a terrible pastor I was every almost every let's say three out of four a month over 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 again I said God you, you want me to love those two guys they're on the board I mean 
There's the only two people that do it in the whole church. Went on and on and on and on and on. And that they'd come and I'd be my usual self. And when they'd leave, I'd hit the floor. God, I can't take it. And he would give me a picture. This picture. This picture. It's almost like he'd say to me, it's not something you're bringing on yourself, but are you willing to suffer for me? I said, no. <laughs> like probably you would maybe say. And then after a while, I realized there were some benefits in all that. I hope my sermons got better, but <laughs> in realizing that when that meeting was over and when many other meetings before they ever began, I had to go to the cross. Now, I'm not going to say that you can tell me anything now and it won't hurt. But I do have a tougher skin now. It's not without compassion. But I have a realization greater that not everybody in the body of Christ has been fully sanctified or professed to be in the body of Christ. And I'm not the one to make the call. I'm just the one who has to see and realize that I'm a part of that body of Christ. So I need to demonstrate that. Because you see, he chose me. He's way out of my league, but he chose me. He protected me. And today I'm blemish free in his sight. I know I've got issues I've got to work on, but in his sight. Not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. He chose me. He's out of my league, but he chose me. He's out of my league, but he chose me. So we're called a bride for intimacy. We're called a bride for protection. And the last benefit or reason, Paul writes, he says, verse 31. At an appointed time, a man will leave his father and mother. He will be united to a woman. They'll become one flesh. It's a profound mystery, but I'm actually talking about Christ and the church. See, we've got intimacy, protection, and the third benefit is we do have rights. We do have rights. Reminds me of what the Apostle Paul said in Romans. He said, if you and I were willing to share in Christ's suffering, well then guess what? We'll also share in his glory. We've got good news today for the church of Jesus Christ because of Jesus When you put your trust in him, when we put our faith in him, all of a sudden, we obtain the extra same or the exact same rights. Today, you and I are the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And when you pray prayers according to the book of James, the Bible says the prayers of a righteous man or woman, they avail much. Aren't you thankful today that you're not standing in your own righteousness, but you're standing in his righteousness? You have the same rights as Jesus Christ himself. We're joint heirs with him. We're seated with him in heavenly places. We've got the same rights to ask the Father the same things that he asked. 
We've got the same power that Jesus had dwelling in us by his Holy Spirit. We've got rights, friend, and they aren't rights that we have to declare. Hey, i got rights. You can't do that to me. No. We know our rights. And we stand before the Father. He sees the death of Jesus Christ. And he sees us through his Son. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. When you pray, friends, God hears the prayers of Jesus. When you pray, because Jesus is praying too, the Father hears his prayers for you as well as your prayers. You have rights. I want to challenge you as I conclude. Church, I think it's time to rise up like never before. I know what God has done has been amazing. But I actually believe, friends, (laughs) the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. The best of the miraculous, the best of the provision, the best of understanding who we are in Jesus Christ is yet to come. We are the ecclesia. These buildings can come down, but praise God, our God still rules, still reigns, and we are a part of his bride. We have intimacy, we have protection, and we have rights because of Jesus Christ. Amen? We have it. And Lord, I just am so thankful, so thankful, so thankful. So thankful. So thankful. So glad to be a part of the bride of Christ. Lord, I pray if we've ever declared or thought, I love you, Jesus, but I can't stand the church. God, help us understand who the church is. And we're all in process. But how you see us, and the intimacy and the trust that you want us to have with you. And Lord, if there's somebody here this morning and they, they've not committed their life to you or they've not said... Jesus, I'm sorry, it was my sin that put you on the cross. Will you forgive me? I didn't realize it was my part in your death. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? You wash away the stain of my past and take away my sin and, and help me to understand how much you have always loved me. Lord, I pray if there's anybody in this room, Lord, they would understand your amazing love. And None of us are perfect. And that's not the issue. But we're forgiven. And you constantly help us and walk with us and teach us and empower us to live the way you want us to live and you pick us up when we fall and 
You encourage us when we're discouraged. and You give us renewed vision when our vision has dropped to the ground. Lord, I pray this morning there be new, new life come into people's hearts and lives. Now I want to ask you this morning, as no one please looking around, it's, this moment is actually a very important moment. You're here this morning, friend, and you're saying, I don't have that intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't really know him as my personal Savior. I don't really understand what it means to be forgiven. I, I have not really asked him to forgive me and come and live inside of me and to help me. I, and I need to do that. I'm, I'm part of that crowd that basically yelled, crucify him, crucify him, because of he took my sin, but... This morning I want to ask Jesus to forgive me and cleanse me and clean me up and live inside of me and change my thoughts and help me. And you'd say, Pastor, and you'd raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I, I need Jesus this morning. Thank you. Thank you. You may put them down. Thank you. Thank you. Father, thank you. You allowed your son to go and die a cruel death for us. And Lord, for those this morning who have indicated and realized that there's something missing in their life and their relationship with you, I pray, Holy Spirit, that there will be such an eye-opening revelation experience right now that, Lord, in their hearts they would sense and in their minds that they would begin to realize the extent to which you love them, the extent to which you love every other person on the face of this planet. And how you want to have an intimate relationship with them, oh God, I pray. Not only would they experience freedom and the forgiveness that you give, but they'd hear your voice and understand that there's something about being with Jesus that goes beyond every other thing. Lord, you place a compassion in our hearts and lives and a love for one another that a love for those who are not yet a part of the family of God, who are yet searching and seeking. But Lord, we're not competing with other organizations or church denominations. We're competing with hell for the souls of people.
Friend, maybe you've been here, you're here this morning and maybe you've had thoughts about the church or that church or the other church or some other church or that group or whatever group. God is speaking to your heart and he's saying, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't tell me you love me and you don't love my bride. Men, you'd have difficulty with some friend who said, I, I love your bro, but I don't like your missus. Or ladies, vice versa. I love your sister, but I don't like your mister. Oh, Lord, forgive us. Give us new eyes to see and transformed emotions to experience what the bride is all about. For there's coming a day. There's coming a day, oh God, when you're calling your son's bride home. And oh, what a day it's going to be. Lord, I pray that we'll remember and think of all the times we're not even aware of the times you spared us from catastrophe or or some kind of harm. And when we come together as a church and we've experienced intimacy and we're coming together and we're just so thankful, oh God. And it's not about anything else but our relationship with you or that we want to share with others. And we want to praise you. We want to worship you, God. We want to minister to you, God. We want to minister to one another. We want to minister to a world that is dying and without Christ. God, I pray that every word I shared would not just be words that I have exhaled, but words that I have and will continue to inhale. And I thank you, God. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, God. about still church I want to remind you when you call on him he will hear you he will forgive your sin he is making you new He is a great God. He is a wonderful Savior. And He cares more about you than you care about yourself. So, in your home and in your marriage, Men, 
be a man worth submitting to. Be a husband who's spouse is willing to submit to you. Ladies, wives, be a woman worth dying for. In church, be a body that's functioning, encouraging, loving, building, embracing, declaring we are a part of something so big. We are part of something so exciting. We are part of something, an organism, a living body, a people whom Jesus died for, has equipped and filled with his spirit to demonstrate to a world that he chose us and he's way beyond our league. But he chose us. And he loves us. And he cares about us. And I declare, church, you have a life worth living. You have a life worth sharing. And you have a living relationship with a Savior who is always, always, always there. And so I declare upon you, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance on you and and may you radiate with his peace. May his joy fill your heart. And may faith rise up in your spirit and may your voice be bold to declare I am a part of the family of God I am a part of the bride of Christ I belong to Jesus Christ who gave his life for me look at your brother and sister and say and he gave his life for you May his peace be upon you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen.